Absolutely. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, uh, I'm his teammate first and foremost. So if I were to put my teammate hat on, absolutely. I'd be like, yo, you come back. What the hell's the deal? We're supposed to be like this, man. Like all last year, you're parading around as your best friend, teammate, this, that, the other. What the hell? And I take that off. I put my friendship cap on. I'm like, look, dude, I, again, as long as you're happy, like that's what a friend is supposed to be. I'm like, hey, look, and, and I'm not going to pressure you into giving me any type of answer. If you feel like you want to tell me it, great. If not, so be it. That's David Bakhtiari on the future of Aaron Rodgers. The Packers get ready for camp next week. We're also going to do a little going abroad with Team Haas number one fan, Big Cat and Kevin Clark. And of course, I have five NBA final stats and I tried on some women's clothing this week. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So I bought some women's clothing and tried it on when I got home yesterday, and I wanted to share that with everybody. Um, it's not a lifestyle. It was a mistake. And, you know, the new Los Angeles uh, football club, the women's club, I think it's the A, I don't know, uh, Angels football club or whatever. It was just pretty simple Nike stuff. Um, I was at Dick Sporting Good trying to figure out something for my planner uh, deal, my foot. And I go, you know what? I really like that look. It's real basic. It's real simple, almost Eastern blockish. You know, there's a long sleeve black tee, Nike, and then there was a, a short sleeve gray. This kid loves a gray t shirt. I think we all know that. And I looked at it and was like, you know, I like this. It's real basic and whatever support. I think their logo is incredible. A quick aside. As somebody who's probably argued some stuff that is not as cool uh, on social media as a lot of a lot of things are, like if there's a debate about the WNBA pay, and I see people, and I can always predict who's going to say what, and then I'll be like, okay, let me make some calls and and kind of find out what's going on, and be like, all right, you know, like one of your arguments about more pay is is a really flawed argument for these next ten reasons, and I actually did one of those podcasts once, and. It was funny how dismissive people were of it because it had like, I don't know, a ton of facts and source material on what kind of money actually comes in. Now, I'd be more than happy if the WNBA made more money. But, you know, when you start talking about revenue splits, when the league doesn't make any money. Anyways, you understand my point. Like, I will argue the uncomfortable if I think that the truth is being skewed. But that doesn't mean that I'm also, you know, a, a horrible guy that doesn't get how important the WNBA is. Um, and female sports in general, um, and something that I've, I've thought more and more about as I've gotten a little bit older. And obviously if I had a daughter, you know, I have sisters that were both, um, pretty big time athletes, but 
I was walking through Dick's Sporting Goods and I saw a little girl standing in front. I don't know. She was probably six years old standing in front of a LA Sparks uniform. And it was honestly like one of the cutest things you've ever seen because she, there was all these jerseys from all these other athletes, all the Clipper stuff, all the Lakers stuff, all the LA King stuff, right? All the jer- jerseys, you know, Kopitar left and right. And she ran up to the LA Sparks jersey and was like tugging on it, asking her dad to get her that. And I was like, you know what? That's the thing that you always need to remind yourself about some of these arguments that it is still very important that this exists. And it wasn't like I was oblivious to the idea of that prior to seeing this. Um, it was something that I just looked at and there was a react, gave me a reaction. And you'd, you, if you had been there almost anyone, unless you're soulless, you would, you would have no reaction. Everybody would have had a reaction. That wasn't what motivated me to go over there and be like, you know what I'm going to do now is buy some women's soccer gear, uh, specifically women's clothing. I was just like, Hey, these are cool. So I, I brought them back. I tried them on. I'm like, what's going on with these shoulders? Like these are XLs, but it's, it's a weird cut and mysterious almost. And then I looked at the tags and was like, yep, yeah, women's, women's. I thought they were unisex. They weren't. So we're going to return those, but I do like the gear. So shout out to, uh, to that soccer team. What's that soccer team, Saruti? I, I'm screwing this up right now. So I, I feel like I Angel owe them a City, look. Angel City FC. And you're right. They actually have a sick crest logo, whatever you want to call it. The logo is incredible. Like yeah. whoever designed their gear, A plus across the board. Uh, I mean, look, it was so nice. I bought a couple of women's pieces. That's how impressed I was. Um, but we did keep the you receipt give them on out. Those. You should give those. You shouldn't return them. Give them out to people. Charitable rye. I mean, I guess we could do an XL women's giveaway yes. on on the pod. But yes. I don't, you know, whenever they do any studies on me, it's like, hey, your audience is 96% dudes. And you're like, all right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to open this up to something because then it's going to, you're going to be asking me to mail you something and guys aren't good at mailing anything. So maybe we'll just return those. We'll return those. We'll figure something out. But I do. Congrats to them on the gear. It looks really clean. It's really well done. Nike's done a great job with it, too. So there you go. Okay, let's go over a couple final stats here because we have a huge show for you today. But I got to do a little NBA finals because, you know, sometimes this podcast, mine, has suffered a bit because I don't want to do the exact same stuff that I've just done with Bill hours prior. But now we're at 3-2. Milwaukee, you know, for any cliche, has all the momentum. They have—they don't just have all the momentum. They're better at basketball right now. They figured a couple things out. And honestly, the turns that all three stars took in game five was, I, I don't know who any, like, I don't know who's beaten them in that. Maybe then, you know, look, I, I don't want to turn it into like, hey, I still think, yes, I still think the Nets would have beaten everybody if they were healthy. But what we saw from Milwaukee, what we've seen these last few games, specifically game five, they have all three stars look like Hall of Famers rotating at different times offensively of just being completely unstoppable. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm going to share a couple numbers with you here. Uh, the first one, though, uh, you know, I'll just jump into that one because that, that's the most relevant. <laughs> here it is. The Bucks' big three in the last three games all wins. Giannis is averaging 33-12-7 and seven on 60% shooting. Middleton's going for 29-7-5 on 47-39% and 39% shooting. Uh, and 86% from the free throw line. Drew, who at one point was being called Drew Bledsoe on this podcast, uh, because we saw all those screen grabs of, hey, here's what Drew Holiday's done in the playoffs. Here's what Eric Bledsoe did in the playoffs for the Bucks. There's not really much difference other than you'd still, even at Drew's worst offensive output, have to give him the benefit of the doubt defensively, because that's been a big part of this series too, but not the only reason Chris Paul has struggled. But Drew's now 25 boards, 10 rebounds, two steals a game, and now his splits are 44-39 and 100% from the free throw line. That's the last three games. Those are all win by the wins by the Bucks, and that's why 
you know, you pay those guys that kind of money. That's why you go ahead and make those trades, even if many times you're like, man, that's a lot for Drew Holiday, who's been hurt at times and missed the time. He's a little bit older. And then you only had him for the one year, whatever, man. I mean, when the stuff works out and you're a game away from winning a title, you can start talking yourself into it, which doesn't mean if they were to lose the next two games and Phoenix pulls this miraculous comeback, which does not seem possible at this point, uh, that all of a sudden the Drew thing isn't worth it. I, I don't think it should be that fragile. I think what you're doing here is you're going, what kind of pieces can I add to this team that at their ceiling, there's something special there. And right now, all three of those guys showed you something like off the chart special in game five. Let's go back to Devin Booker's run here. Because as Paul has struggled, which we're going to get to again, um, you know, Booker has had some incredible offensive moments, but that last possession, he had no plan when Drew stripped him and led to the breakout at the other end. So that was a bad possession for two reasons. They didn't get a shot off, and then it led to an easy, easy breakout from Milwaukee on the other side of it as Phoenix was furiously trying to come back in that game. I mean, there's some criticism, hey, they didn't play Chris Paul enough, they didn't play Booker enough in game five, and he sat him too much, and that's the problem. Um, that's that's part of it, but there's just, hey, Milwaukee's going to shoot like that. I don't know that there's a ton you can do because here's another stat that we'll throw at you. The Suns in game five shot 55 from the floor and 60 from three. So 55 overall and 60 from three. The first time in history an NBA team has lost a playoff game shooting at those numbers, which again gets us back to the Bucks' big three and how that's even possible. But Booker, you could tell, I love they didn't call a timeout at the end of game five. They still had a shot clock in play, so it wasn't like a straight run it down to zero and take a shot. We already know this. But Booker was in between decisions. So Booker wasn't thinking about clock and then thought about clock. And then by the time he kept thinking about all this stuff, Drew's coming off to help Chris Paul because Booker has 24 field goal attempts in the fourth quarter of this series. He has zero assists. Now, there was one assist that was maybe going to happen, that one to eight that Giannis broke up, which will be his kind of legacy play for Giannis as much as Chris Paul trying to cross up Giannis at the end of game four and falling down and having it be a layup. This doesn't work out for Phoenix. That's going to be unfortunate. That's going to be like a Mike Tyson face tattoo for Chris Paul's playoff run. All right. So we have that part. Now, speaking of Chris Paul, let's bring up this bullshit stat that you've seen running around. I get if you don't like Chris Paul, you're going to pile on. I like him. I think something's wrong, uh, whether it's mental or physical. I don't know. But even with the game five numbers that a couple of years from now, if you looked at him and said, hey, what are you talking about? Like He was pretty good. He made all his threes at 20 and 10. Like He was pretty good in game five. I think he's still somewhat disengaged. Now, I also saw, saw some people saying like Monty was sitting him because he wasn't playing well. It wasn't that significant. Monty has done a deal where he's tried to pace Paul and bring him back strong for the fourth quarter. That's exactly why Paul at the end of game four, or excuse me, at the half of game four had played less than almost everybody that was a major rotation guy. And, you know, look, I think they're just trying to find a way to preserve him, but I'm not going to buy the, hey, he's old and now he's tired excuse when he lit up the Clippers a few weeks ago and lit up uh, the Bucks in game one. Now he's all of a sudden tired with three days off in between, so I'm not, I'm not accepting that as an excuse. But however, even though I'm a Paul fan and I'm disappointed, and I'm telling you I don't think he was as good as the stat line will be in game five, so now I don't know what the hell to do with him. The piling on historical playoff trend stuff with him some of it's fair this stat that's out there now is not and everybody's all over it, including espn which i was kind of surprised they went through because it takes you five minutes of research to realize how flawed this is it's that chris paul if they blow this 2-0 lead he'll be the first player in nba history uh to blow 2-0 lead in the playoffs uh four times now first time it happened was in 08 with the hornets against the spurs that hornets team was not very good they lost in seven to san antonio 
and we're talking about two of the top four seeds. Um, go back and look at that 2008 Hornets team. Again, some nice role players, not a great team. Chris Paul, those guys are up 2-0. They lost to a prime Duncan. 2013, uh, they were up 2-0 against the Memphis Grizzlies. Blake got hurt. Blake played 19 minutes with four points in game five, 14 minutes and nine points in game six. If you remember that, I think he was hurt in game four. He was a completely different guy, shell of himself. So that was because Blake got hurt. 2016 2-0 lead against the Portland Trailblazers. Somebody got hurt. You know that guy was? They blew the 2-0 lead. It was Chris Paul. And now this one, which is far more egregious and horrible compared to any of those other ones because this is going to be on him. But that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, look, you want to knock him? Go ahead. I can't defend the last two games. I can't defend the effort, the deferring to campaign and major possessions at the end of the game four. I, I can't defend any of that stuff. And I'm to the point now where I'm like, maybe, maybe I just maybe I was just wrong about this guy. I don't feel like I was, but maybe I was. And we'll have to see where I'm at and have to accept that at the end of it. But let's end with a positive because Giannis at 26 years old is almost the perfect guy to win a championship here because all the stuff that even though we love the stars, but the pettiness and some of the bullshit and the stuff about like, is it really about basketball or is it about everything else? It's the moving around, which again, I don't really get on the player's case for deciding to team up because I just think that's what this generation is. So you can get mad about it, but I don't want to waste that kind of energy, but I can be whatever to that part of it, but still respect and admire the fact that Giannis, you know, isn't isn't there yet maybe he would be you know maybe if they got bounce out earlier again this year you know granted he just did the extension but maybe he would have bounced in two years who knows i don't think i would ever rule anybody out after learning about Kawhi doing it from san antonio but he has put together some assist games and now his assist ratio is not necessarily that much higher on some of the advanced stuff uh in the playoffs you know you go back to even two years ago he's about the same but the usage rate has dipped down to the lowest usage rate that he's had in a playoff season in the last three years. And this is somebody at one point where you're like, okay, but he is the limited offensive player. Yeah, I think it's still somewhat true. Um, he's going to make his free throws. Like all these concerns that we had about him that we started seeing sort of amplified during the net series that they still got through that. He's found ways to complement Middleton, especially, but Drew and Middleton when those guys have it rolling. And yet his effort and his attitude is like unflappable throughout. So here's a 26-year-old Giannis in his first NBA Finals that looks completely comfortable. And I think as far as stars go, his popularity, like his approval rating, that Q rating that we hear about people on morning television, his is already through the roof, especially with that quote about the ego and your past and all that kind of stuff, even though I'm not sure I 100% agree with it, but everybody seemed to love it. Um, this is somebody that could be the face of the NBA in a way that we may not have had before because he came in as a middle round pick. He's foreign. People aren't quite sure. You know, I was looking back at it. His rookie year, he shot 35% from three, easily the best of any season. Now, some people think he got so jacked and his shoulders are so big, it screwed up his shooting mechanism um, altogether. So maybe that's the case. But I would say that it's hard to find somebody who didn't like Giannis already it's almost impossible now as he's a game away from an NBA championship to find somebody in the basketball world that talks about basketball, who's just a fan of basketball that doesn't appreciate him even more if he pulls this off. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now, by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call 
old school guy, probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We get all pro tackle David Bakhtiari with this. Everybody now, you know, offensive linemen, unfortunately, deal with so much anonymity. And you you don't. I mean, you're really good and everybody knows you're good. But this love from the NBA community now, just because you chug beers, you probably should have started doing this a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, people ask me, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm pretty good at football as well. And I think I'm better known for is the guy who chugs beers at the basketball games or the guy that got the Packers players into pitch perfect two. That's like the first the one, two, and then three is football. I'm like, well, should kind of be known for football side. It's kind of like my main, my full-time job. So I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Maybe being the best tackle in the game. Um, I, I did go through your Wikipedia page and I, I felt like immediately as like, if you ask about pitch perfect, then he's going to be like, oh, cool. You read the Wikipedia page. And then um, that's what you're doing with the interview. How often does it come up now? Is it, is it just the go-to like, hey, I got everybody into pitch perfect because of a tweet? Um, you know, since the movie's kind of, well, what are we, um, you know, six, seven years since it, uh, it, um, it premiered, um, not as much. But yeah, uh, you know, just knows the guy who got the Packers into pitch perfect. I, I think here, I got a good story for you when it comes to beer chug. I think it was Donovan Mitchell, what was it, two years ago when I first uh, chugged a few beers. We trained the same spot um, in LA at Proactive Sports Performance. And we were talking, and then after I left, uh, I'm really close to the main trainer. And he like he went over to the main trainer that I'm friends with, Ryan, and he goes, hey, uh, that's the guy that chugs beers at the basketball games, right? I was just like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of great, but yes, at the same time, like it feels like maybe if you were a swing tackle, you were like, "Hey, this would be awesome." Like, I've got, yeah. I've got this. Yeah, but no, I'm, I'm arguably the best at my position in the entire yeah. league. Would you have any basketball in the background? Because I know it was, it was football out in California, some lacrosse, right? It was, uh, yeah, I was a really good basketball player. I, I retired in seventh grade. So, <laughs> what size were you? How big nah. were you? I wasn't that good. I, I was a. I was. I had the height of a point guard with the handles of a center. So that gives you any idea about how I played basketball. I was uh, the epitome of the tryhard guy that loved rebounding, giving great effort on defense, but totally got you know. I got really nervous anytime I got the ball and someone told me to shoot. And if I wanted to shoot for fun, I always like to shoot threes. So I wasn't the type of guy you want on your team unless you needed a good rebounder and defender. Didn't mind. Like I wouldn't mind playing an entire game and not shooting once. It sounds like an O-lineman. I, yeah. I, saw, I saw a thing the other day that said O-linemen make great husbands and parents because they protect and sacrifice their entire lives. Um, I, I kind of like that. I, I don't know that I could poke many holes in it. I, I, I would like to agree with that. I think, you know, I, I think you definitely have outliers, but I would say majority, if you were to stereotype, for sure. I would say a majority of guys I've been around, especially um, in my position, being an offensive lineman, I mean, I Definitely have no problem with them. You know, if they wanted to marry my sister, so to speak, I'd feel very comfortable with that because they're loyal, good dudes. You know, 
they're going to do do the right thing. I was thinking about this because, you know, getting to work at ESPN over the years and hanging out with so many guys that played, you know, you just start bullshitting. You start talking about the sport in a real way, right? Not the way that we would go on in, you know, TV. And it always kind of frustrates me sometimes to be like, the stuff we do in the green room is better than some of the segments that we do on the air. And we were joking like, all right, if you had to rank, like O-Lyman, that group, would be ranked number one in the most malleable, like the most adjusted to, okay, hey, this random guy from wherever wants to hang out with us, we're good to go. So if you had to rank the football positional groups from most likely to hang out and adapt to the surroundings to least likely, I would probably put corners at the top of the least likely. Yeah. Um, I don't think corners would want to hang out with like anybody. Yeah, they're, they're very specific. I would, I would even argue, you know, because I want to be, I'm going to try to be unbiased. I'd probably say like, I think tight ends may be the most malleable in my opinion, because like the ability to kind of hang out and immerse themselves and really do anything across the board. Like they're the guys, if they're single, they can go out, they can party, they can be the guy. And then they're also the dude that um, you can come over. Hey, we're not doing any chicks. We're just going to chug, drink a bunch of beers, drink, you know, play drinking games, have fun, just like boys night. I think they would also do that as well. They're not just so one track minded one or the other. I think they can, they're, they're a little bit more of a chameleon. They can do more of it all where, Offensive I think it's kind of a little bit buried. I wouldn't say they would be, uh, I wouldn't choose like an offensive lineman back when I was single to be like my first, you know, wingman to go out and like have a good night out. Yep. That's probably a good point too. Cause like O-lineman could just sort of hang and they're, yeah. they're, they're never going to make it worse, but then you could also argue, does it really make it that much better? Because yes. tight ends, especially some of the high end tight ends, like if you've ever hung out with Gronk, like it's a big deal, but yet he can still get away with being an idiot because he's not the quarterback. So there's still no like leadership responsibility. Yes. Kittle can kind of just hang like these guys are kind of rock stars, but without the pressure where it's hard for you is left at like, have you had to remind, have you ever had access to something where you had to be like, you don't seem to be somebody who's like, Hey, I have to tell you who I am, but there's probably just like, Hey, this guy's really big. Like what's his deal where Gronk is like so big and it's been yeah. around for such a long time that you're almost, you defer to the idea like this guy's got to be something. Yeah. I would say majority of my, my life, like I get people that they'll always do a double take and be like, who's this big dude? Like, what are you doing? Like, no, like, okay. I, 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 I would get this a lot, especially like in the off season, off season. Cause I'm not in Wisconsin. They'll be like, okay, I have to ask, like, you're a really big guy. What, what do you do? And then, uh, you know, it sparks up a conversation, but, uh, I would say it gets more like that than I'm assuming most of the time it's like, Oh my God, like, can I get a, like, like Kelsey Gronk? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, like, like, you know, all these guys are like, Oh, let me get a photo. It's not really, they're like, okay, you may look somewhat familiar. You look like you do something, something unique, but I don't know what Maybe that's just the way you carry yourself. Costanzo is my neighbor. He lives down the street. Oh, yeah. And so we, there were, my neighbors saw me saying hi to, he didn't, not that he was supposed to know who I was, but he's like straight out of Game of Thrones kind of size and presence and mm -hmm. how, how big he is. He's huge. And mm -hmm. I, uh, one of the other neighbors was like, is he an actor or something? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was in Braveheart one and then. The DVD Braveheart too. Yeah, he's, he's got some see. letters hanging out the backside. Yeah, I'm no, there's some there's some real medieval stuff going on there with him. But uh, all right, so let me ask you this because I I knew a little bit about it, but you weren't a big recruit coming out. Were was it because you were undersized as an offensive lineman? That's why I like the Power Five because I know you ended up going to Colorado, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Are you redshirted? Was it? Was it just you hadn't put the weight on yet as a as a young kid? Like where were you at physically and kind of the limitations of what the offers were for you? Um, I think it's a call that that was a mixture of it. So part of it was, I'll be flat out honest. I was really bad at football. I didn't play. I didn't put on pads my freshman year. Um, 
I don't know what type of language I can use on this. Uh, yeah, whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was a pussy. Um, I did not want to hit anyone. I, I just didn't get it. And I was small. I was six, one, about 200 pounds my junior year. And then senior year for my school, like I came in, I was like six, four, two forty. So I kind of got some size to me. Um, but we also ran a triple option offense. So I didn't play to my senior year as well. So I would just rode the bench all the way to my senior year. And then we played triple option. So I never blocked even any defensive ends. I was, uh, I mean, just really wasn't anyone. So then my head coach from high school kind of got my name out there. He lied on a bunch of like my recruit videos, you know, saying I was like six, five, two seventy. I was like, I even, I remember watching it. This is like, like my recruit, they won't really highlight videos. It was just two full games back to back. So you saw all my good plays and my bad plays just in a, in a game. Um, but I remember calling him, I was like, Hey, like, yo, what's the deal with this? Like, I'm not this size. Like, he's like, Oh, don't, don't worry about it. They, they don't care. Like, we just want to get you out there. I'm like, okay. All right, cool. So I led one year of film. I was a, lo- a small recruit. I remember I was a one star. And then when I signed my national letter of intent, I actually gained the star. And I'm assuming that's because they're like, there's no way this kid is going to a, you know, power five conference, you know, and being a one star. So they gave me like, an, I was like the dude that had like no photo. It was, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I think one star is more insulting than none. In a look, way. <laughs> at, at that point, look, I only started one year. I backed up my brother who, and like my, our, my middle brother, Andrew, he ended up playing at university of San Diego. I was just happy just to get any offer. I was surprised. I'm like, this is my goal is just to go to a D one double a, which is what all my family did. And that's all I wanted to do. So then one of these schools, that was my top five schools. They're like, all right, we're going to let you play football and we're going to pay for school. I was like, all right, this is kind of a no brainer. I probably should go here. So that's what I did. Like I already, I had already applied to Colorado before I even got a scholarship. Cause I was, so you, you just wanted to go to Boulder. So Boulder was one of my top three schools I was going to go to without football. Cause I, again, I had no, I going into my senior, I hadn't played a single down. So I wasn't thinking about playing football at a big time school. I was like, I'm just trying to play football at my high school first. Look, I've been there a bunch of times. A lot of friends live in Denver, and then when they first they they grew up and they moved on from Boulder to Denver. But it's, I mean, that's a if you're on the fence about the place, you're going to come out of there committed. I mean, unless you have some other, you know, looks. If you want to go down south or you want to play Florida or all those mm-hmm. different things, I get it. But if you're on the fence, the setting is great. I love Colorado. The old Walrus, good spot. It was a long time. Oh ago yeah, for yeah. Me. Okay, so you, you yeah. know. Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've stayed out there a bunch of times. Yeah, but. There had to be kind of this, this, I know you're wretched, but there had to be this kind of wake up of like, wait, am I really good at this? Because your whole story, and then even in college, into your draft papers, it felt like it's filled with doubt, which is what's so great about what you're doing now. But was there ever a moment, whether it was redshirting, practicing, or just putting on that weight and coming back and being active? Because then once you were ready to go, it's like you were playing. Um, and this is going to sound a little bit conceited. I remember when I got to college and I redshirted and Again, I told you, like, I, I didn't understand football, and then I figured it out. I, I attribute a lot to my high school coach. He really kind of instilled in, like, what it means to be a man and, like, mental toughness and all that. So I remember showing up to college after I redshirted. I put on some weight. I was around, like, 280, so I was still small, smaller for offensive linemen. Uh, but I just kind of looked around, like, this is what gets scholarships. Certain guys I'm seeing around, like, and like, I was just, I, I don't know. I look at them. I saw their work ethic. I saw their mental. Just like, say it. Cause it's, it's the truth. Cause look who it, you became. So go it, ahead. Yeah. It was just, I, I remember like, I'm not going to put any names on there, but I remember looking at some of these guys. I'm like, you're not even good. You just are tall or you like, 
you look like you look the part, but by no means do you act the part. And I just was like, okay, this is what is good. If I just keep like at this, I think I might be something. So I, and again, like I didn't go to college thinking I'm going to go to the NFL. I went to college as in, Hey, this is paying for school. This is for free. So I remember talking to my mom on the phone and she was like, Hey, how you doing? Are you still going to be on the team? Uh, Next year, you know, this has been really good for us and our family. You know, the fact you haven't, pay, we don't have to pay for school. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, mom, I'm going to try as hard as I can. Hopefully they'll give me a scholarship for next year. Like I, that, that's how my mind was. I always felt like there was a little bit of a fire underneath my ass to uh, keep competing, striving to be better. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I just kept working. I, I love hard work. I love, you know, being in the gym, doing all the little things and having the big picture unfold. And I just kept seeing results. So the more work I put in, I saw more results. So I just kept, okay, if I keep shoveling in more hard work, more hard work, this results kind of keep compounding on one another and things keep getting easier and, you know, weight's coming on, strength and all that. And I, I just remember at one point in my, ju- like my junior year, my red shirt, my red shirt sophomore year, I'm like, okay, I think I may have a shot to at least get an invitation to like a camp in the NFL. So if I have a really good junior year campaign, like that's, that, that was my mindset. And then when I, oh, I didn't really feel like I was going to get drafted until I sent in my junior draft evaluation and they came back and said I could be someone. And they're talking about a couple of these other guys that were coming out. And I'm like, I think I'm as good or better than you, in my opinion. But no one else is saying anything about me. So I'm like, screw it. I have to go prove it. So if I'm going to go prove it, I might as well, instead of doing it, because I was going to have my fourth head coach at the time. That's why I, part of the reason why I left early. I'm like, instead of having this new coach, have to prove it to this college guy for free. I'm like, I might as well go prove it to a coach while making money, making it my full-time job. Yeah, that's what I think was surprising. And I'd love for you to share with us. Um, I know a little bit about it. You know, I, I remember hearing about guys putting in their draft papers, guys either that I worked with. And then after the fact, they'd be like, that guy put his papers in? Like, come on, you know? And like, it would, mm-hmm. it, what, because look, you guys weren't good your junior year. As you mentioned, it probably seems like if they kept the same coach, maybe you come back from your senior year because you're putting your papers in, which probably seems like a massive leap from just where you were a couple of years ago. But now you're more motivated because now you feel like competition wise, as you just explained, like, I think I'm as good as if not better than some of these guys that are going in. What does it actually mean to put your papers in and then get the feedback back? Because it wasn't like you were projected to be a first rounder anyway, and you still decided to leave. Yeah, I, I mean, I always had I always try to have realistic expectations for myself. So I knew I knew my for my junior campaign, they're talking about these first round picks and even guys I played against that win the first round. I'm like, I did good against you. So if that's what is in the NFL, I think I can, I think I can compete with these guys in the NFL. So when I sent in my junior draft evaluation, I was just thinking anywhere second on, if they give me something in the second or third round range, I will feel very confident. Cause I didn't expect, you know, I guess you've seen all my stats. I'm not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, any of that. So when they came back to me with a second to third round grade, I was like, Hey, I don't know how much better I can make this. But if that's what they think, great. And you know, I talked to, I, I got a cu- advice from a couple of people, and I decided to declare. And uh, uh, yeah, and then kind of rest, kind of spoke. So, do you have an appreciate? Look, you, you can't really um, be. I shouldn't. I shouldn't phrase it that way. I think going to Green Bay, especially as an alignment, you know, there's certain positions, obviously running back, quarterback, but the history and that franchise, like we know, it's not for everyone. But I would think somebody that buys in and appreciates it, and certainly I don't expect that's what your answer is. Like, what is that like when you see guys coming to camp? You're like, I don't know if he's going to like this Green Bay thing. Where I think you have embraced it. Obviously, the fan base has embraced it. Like, I just think it would be an amazing thing to be a Green Bay Packer if I were an NFL player. Yeah, uh, 
look, I, again, I was just happy to get drafted. Um, I had a brother that played in the league. He got cut 13 times. He was on seven different teams. So I've seen all the, I've heard all the ugliness of the business side of the NFL. So I was, I remember coming in, I was even, you know, I was drafted in the fourth round after rookie minicamp, I was scared I was going to get cut. So again, that fire, you know, it's, Oh, I've always kind of had this fire like underneath my ass of just being scared. Like I, I don't want to, I always felt like I had this pressure. I had to keep moving forward, keep getting better, keep progressing. So I didn't feel like any time I could just relax or chill or feel like I made it, so to speak. Um, and I, unfortunately, you you can kind of see that kind of early on with guys that, you know, even in college, I can say you can find a theme even in the NFL. Um, certain guys just kind of feel like they hit this point where they made it and then they just relax and you can't do that in this profession because it's a this, this profession every year we trim the fat and it's, it's hard to stick around for a while. That's why the NFL, it's the average career is about three and a half years. So th- I, that's how it was for me. And I, I just uh, always felt that there was uh, uh, this pressure. Um, and, and at any point in time, I can get cut. So I was, always, I was always scared and I was always fighting for my job every day. That's how I, how I looked at it because I had seen how my brother's uh, career played out. What's the best way for me to ask you about the Aaron Rodgers topic to actually get a decent answer? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, you can ask any question you want. I know as much as y'all know. I mean, there's a reason. No way. I, I, <laughs> you definitely I, I, know more I, than I do. I, I look at it like this. Everyone keeps asking yeah. everyone else because they can't get an answer from the source. So if no one can get the answer from the source, why does anyone think that any of his friends got the answer from the source? If he's not going to say, he's not going to say. He's just going to go about his daily business. So that's why I, I laugh. I'm like, hey, I know just as much as you. He's going to disclose to me the information that he's disclosed to anyone else. Because he's a, I, the one thing I can tell you is this. This is what I know better than anyone else. Aaron's a very private person. He's not going to tell you his, you know, he, he's not a guy who needs to vent for anything off his chest. Like, he will disclose what he wants to disclose. And with this topic, he's just not disclosing anything. So anytime I do see him, we don't talk about it. And which is nice. I mean, I, I don't want to berate my friend with like these questions, like even though I'm his team, like, Hey, but you come back, what would this set the other? I mean, that would be, uh, like if I flip the roles, would I want my friend constantly badgering me? It's like, dude, you're like, I'm still figuring my stuff out. So we'll see. I don't know. We got a week. We'll find out in a week if he's going to show up or not. So you have no idea whether or not he's going to show up in a week. I don't, man. I mean, I don't, I, I'm thinking like I have thoughts, but again, thoughts are if, if scenarios and I think if scenarios, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, there, 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 there's no substance to it. There's no validity. There's no foundation to it. So I have no idea. I mean, I could say right now, he's going to show up and I could all say right now, he's not going to show up. I don't know. I don't know which one carries more weight. It'd be I huge think- for the podcast if you just picked one. And then even <laughs> if it's wrong, <laughs> you just have that breakout here. I'm going to, I'm going to share a story with you though, that, it's going to make me look like a loser a little bit, but it's also the way my brain works. Everybody oh, knows that Chris Long. Everybody knows that Chris Long's my buddy, and so it was a friendship that happened later on. And then he ends up with the Patriots, and I'm from Massachusetts, and everything. And then I would, I would just speak because you know we were close enough. But I, I knew I wasn't, get, I wasn't ever getting anything from him that I could use because he's very, he's very private about that, which I think is you know what made him a great teammate too. And when he was in New England, I was like, can you ever just text Brady? <laughs> and he goes, no. He goes, you don't just, you don't just text Brady. He's like, by the way, I play on the other side of the ball too. So like, it's not, there'd be no, like if I wanted, like he knows who I am and whatever. 
And then I joked, I was like, well, you don't want to make Edelman jealous either. So, you know, and then he just laughed and kind of left, <laughs> left that one alone. But I was like, will you, when you decide to leave New England, text him, hey, Tom, it's been great. I'm moving. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, no, I know you don't actually want to do that. I would just love to see his response and be like, all right, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks a lot. Like, love to have you around when you're, because when you're the guy, when you're a Tom Brady in New England, when you are Rogers in Green Bay, I think kind of what you're alluding to, and we'll hear people say this, like especially people that are are basically famous in the same industry, they'll they'll always say like, "Hey, it's always great when I get together with this guy because it's about family, or we talk about this, a vacation. We don't ever talk about football." So even though I'm sure you really deep down as a competitor, as close as you are to him, you'd love to know the answer. I think that's probably why you would remain close with somebody like Aaron Rodgers because you're not actually going to do any of that stuff. Even if I, like whatever you're going to say to me, I would imagine over the next couple of days, you're going to be thinking about whether or not that guy's going to be behind center when camp opens. Absolutely. I mean, I'm again, I'm the, I'm his teammate first and foremost. So if I were to put my teammate hat on, absolutely. I'd be like, yo, you come back. What the hell's the deal? We're supposed to be like this, man. Like all last year, you're parading around your best friend, teammate, this, that, the other, what the hell? And I take that off and put my friendship cap on. I'm like, look, dude, Again, as long as you're happy, like that's what a friend is supposed to be. I'm like, hey, look, and, and I'm not going to pressure you into giving me any type of answer. If you feel like you want to tell me it, great. If not, so be it. Like at the end of the day, we're enjoying each other's company. Let's talk about something else. I'm sure this is something that's stressful. I'm certain sure it's something that weighs on you because of the duration of time and the fact that there isn't an answer yet. So clearly, it's something that has been brewing and stewing and, and still in the process. And until you're willing to speak about it, like let's just make fun of each other, hit a good lift, go grab lunch, shoot the shit and carry on as business as usual. So that's, that's really more where I try to be in this certain setting, unless he wants to invite me into the conversation about it. But I mean, I'm never going to try and force it. Cause I think about how many people are trying to force that conversation. And especially, you know, it, it could be anyone that, that's extremely close to him trying to figure out the answer. That's That could then go leak whatever, or someone that's, in the profession, I mean, it's, he's getting it from every angle. So when I look at it from that perspective, and if you're, if he's unwilling to share from either side or either angle or all the angles, then I look at it. Then what's the point? All I'm going to be doing is annoying him. And if I'm a friend, why would I want to annoy my friend? Like, why would I want my friend annoying me? So that's how I interpret all of it. So I'm like, Hey, look, it's going to, it's all going to smooth out one way or another, you know, from a teammate perspective, if he is there, awesome. If he isn't there, that sucks. Um, from a friendship perspective, if he's there, awesome. And if he's not awesome, like I just want what's happening. For him. So whatever he wants to do, I mean, hell, I'm along for the ride just like everyone else. Let me have this be the last part on it. Cause I, I don't want you to end up being like, all right, dude, let's let it go. Um, <laughs> when people from the outside say, Hey, when Roger says I want out and it's disrespectful to the other 52 guys, is that an accurate criticism of this drama? Um, no, because I think, uh, when people look at our profession and like, you know, it's, oh, that's disrespectful what you're doing to your teammates and what you need to do, you know, um, as part of being like the one, like 11th or this, that, the other, uh, I think you're getting your emotions involved in business. Like this is business at the end of the day. So whatever business they need to go forward, you, you need to remind yourself that because correspondingly, it's like. Do you think the team feels bad when they make the decisions? No, they make the decisions, they move on. So you can't take it critical or you can't take it personal. And I think a lot of people, 
especially teammates, I think they can forget that. Now, while we're in, uh, while well, like while we're in the environment, it, it is really hard because you know teammates you go you grow close together, and it's a very unique setting, especially with all the it's a melting pot of you know so many guys coming together. So I think um, it can definitely be misconstrued and be tough, but uh, at least for me, uh, I kind of find my happiness in understanding that it's a business thing of the day and I'm not taking anything personal what someone does. I mean, like, let's just say like my left guard, if my left guard goes to free agency and he wants to leave, even though I felt a really good continuity between them, but the reason he wants to leave is for a better financial gain. That would be very selfish of me to want to keep him here when he was trying to better himself and his family. So I, I don't look at it. It's like that. Like I'm almost being the asshole, not him. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, but I, I think it's, you know, how, those of us from the outside, you know, it's like, Hey, this might be a really good point. Like I remember I was listening to somebody do what I do. And they were like, Tebow going to the Jags. Like that takes away somebody's spot. And you're like, dude, we're at like 90 to hundred guys in camp right now. Like we'll worry about it. We'll worry about it later. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's something that can be said from the outside. You're like, Oh, this might be a really good opinion on this, especially if you can be critical of the situation too. All right. Last thing off the topic, you're not going to game six for the bucks. I'm not. Uh, How? What happened? <laughs> I, I'm going back to Wisconsin on Monday. Oh, okay. Camp starting up. And just with my training and everything, it is a lot on me to get all the way out there, come all the way back and stay on my regimen. And I already went out to one and it, it, I saw what it did to my body and I'm recovering and trying to prime myself ready for the season and my knee. And I just, I had to make more of a business decision. So again, don't take it personally. It's more business that uh, I will not be making it out there, um, but I will be watching and I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm going to be very excited uh, to watch the game. Hey man, I really appreciate this. This is a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, get you. ready for camp, man, and uh, look forward to the season. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Continued economic responsibility demands restraint in government expenditure. And last year we achieved the largest ever recorded reduction in the budget deficit, 1.5 billion. Hey, great time to go abroad, going abroad on the Ryan Rosillo podcast, because before we hit record on this whole deal, uh, Kevin Clark and Big Cat, who you may know from the competing F1 podcast, pardon my overtake, um, they talked about Brooklyn for about 10 minutes. So there's nothing more European than that um, as we went back and forth. So, look, this is historic, uh, you know, yeah. combining the pods here. You know, Kev, we defer to you a little bit, but I'm going to start with Big Cat on this one. We've been really into this sport for about five plus weeks. What did you think about the Verstappen Hamilton dust up on lap one? Well, I, I appreciate you having me on. I think people are going to hate that I'm on because... At the ringer? Kev no, they like you. Yeah, because Kevin uh, actually knows F1. I'm oh, the... I, I, I want to go back to Saruti last week, I think said, 
uh, can we stop doing this thing where Americans try to fix soccer? And I was like, no, dude, like I love trying to fix soccer. So I think people are going to really, truly hate that I'm here uh, because I, I my my credentials are I watched Drive to Survive. Yeah, uh, I've been a Ferrari fan for, I don't know, four weeks. I lease a Mercedes. So there's a little conflict of interest Ooh, there. OK, a uh, uh-huh. little brag. No, not really a brag, but um. Yeah, so I, that was an awesome race, and I think Verstappen is a terrible, terrible loser. But I also yeah. love when hyper competitive guys can't stop being hyper competitive, even from their hospital beds. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I agree. Um, I think that this is what we were all waiting for. Like, this was inevitable. Like, I don't want to sound like a Cormac McCarthy novel here, but like this accident was waiting for us. It's been three years for Max having this ascension and we knew he would eventually get to this sort of year and then there'd be an incident like this. Like the BBC yesterday called it an incident that will become a defining part of the sport's history. Like everyone says this is playing out in real time. This is like Proust Senna. Like this is going to be one of the moments we talk about forever. And the best thing about it is that you can look at it from so many different angles and debate whatever you want to do because it's going to be like LeBron Jordan for F1 fans. Like, you're just going to be able to talk in circles. You're going to be able to say it was Hamilton's fault. It was Verstappen's fault. It was a racing incident. There's so many different ways to look at it. It's just going to eat itself. It's just going to be a talking point for many, many years. The 33-point gap in the title race is now down to eight. It's game on. I love this. Okay, so for those that are not, they don't have their passport stamped, and I could have done a better job as a host, but we just, we go in different orders here for the segment. This past weekend, Sunday, the race is Silverstone, which is yeah. you know uh, the home track for Lewis Hamilton yeah. as as an Englishman, and it was an unbelievable start. Like the first half lap was as much fun of any lap I've watched in my five plus weeks of being a fan. It's been I mean I'll never forget where I was for this, and Max gets he's got pole. He's ahead of Hamilton. He's coming at every corner on the opposite line, fighting off Hamilton. And then as they come around a turn to the right, it looked like either Max didn't give Lewis Hamilton enough space or Hamilton didn't have the line, touches Max. Max spins into the tire barrier, and he looked pretty banged up. It was a nasty crash. He walks off, starts waving. Then we had a bunch of concussion experts checking in on social media, which is always huge. Um, But then Verstappen tweeted this out as Hamilton, who with a 10-second penalty... Okay, comes back and wins this race. You knew his Ferrari had the lead. You're like, is Ferrari back? No, Charles III, not going to happen. An unbelievable job by Hamilton to catch up with this thing. But Verstappen tweets out this, quote, glad I'm okay. Very disappointed with being taken out like this. The penalty given does not help us and doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis Hamilton made on the track. Watching the celebrations while still in hospital is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behavior, but we move on. No period. When you don't use punctuation, Big Cat, you know it's personal. It is the uh, – I always mock the fans that do the hashtag stay classy whenever, like, a fan base gets exposed for being a fan base, which every fan base is. Yep. Uh, that was a stay classy post by him. He just could have – he could have wasted – he wasted all those words. He could have just said stay classy and showed that he's a sore loser, which I love by my hyper-competitive guys because you want them – to care so much into such a you know you know crazy crazy level that he can't stomach it, which is so funny yeah. because if Max wins that race and Lewis Hamilton's in the hospital, Max is is 
popping champagne bottles yeah. and having a great time. We all know that to be the case. I have a question for you, Kevin, though. And yes. I why, again, why Kevin? Not been, or, or Ryan, <laughs> whoever wants it. Not uh, you know, not knowing nothing about this sport, but wanting sure. to learn, like genuinely wanting to learn. Was Max's uh, defensive driving at the start? equally as aggressive as Lewis Hamilton's move in that corner because he was yeah. swerving everywhere. He's weaving. It was weaving, and it was interesting to me because it's like he's blaming this guy for being too aggressive and dangerous when he was kind of being just as aggressive yeah. and dangerous in a defensive way to start the race. So Max is known as a very aggressive driver, and Julian Palmer, who is an XF1 racer who is on BBC now, he said that there are times this year where something like that has happened and, and Hamilton is back down. And this was the first time at his home track in front of 140,000 people a week after England lost a huge game, which, by the way, he said was part of the release after he won. But this was the first time Hamilton this year didn't back down. And I think Verstappen may have been surprised by that. So uh, Verstappen kind of bit on the dummy. There was a little faint move on the outside. And then Hamilton came on the inside a little bit later. And so I think Verstappen was a little bit surprised he was there just to begin with. Uh, most people, my thing on this, there are some things, I'm sure Ryan agrees, there's some things where I'm uncomfortable making calls on certain things in sports. Like, I'll never say a guy quit unless I've played the sport, right? Like, I, 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 you, you disagree? You want to say people quit? Well, no, um, it's, I mean, it's just a, you have to say these things and say them with your chest. Okay. Chris Paul Chris Paul has quit on the NBA finals there. It was easy to say. I think I know what Big Cat's plan was today. Yeah. Yeah. This and is so, going abroad. Foreign sports for, only, please. But for me, for me, I defer to the drivers. For uh, Fernando Alonso already said it was a racing incident, which is basically the racing version of incidental contact. Con contact. Uh, most people are either saying it was an unintentional Lewis error, which would have been a 10 second penalty, which was fair, or it was a racing incident. I'd say most drivers who don't have a bias have come down that way. So Red Bull comes out, Christian Horner, who is, who's been on your, your uh, pod, Big Cat, comes out and says it was ridiculous. It was Hamilton's fault. He called it desperate and amateur. Helmet Marco says, who's, who's all, a Red Bull executive, says there should be a, should be a suspension for Hamilton. They it was just Toto Wolf, the team principal of Mercedes, sent an email to race control. Race control said they don't check their emails in the middle of it. It was a master class in politicking. It was everything. Ryan, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but everyone who's just getting into F1 gets to see the entire sport right now. And everything is happening all at once. And yesterday you got to see penalties, politicking, all of that stuff. So, yes, I'm in agreement with you, Big Cat. There is both guys are at fault. Everybody both guys could have avoided that, and I thought it was a racing incident. If somebody had to be punished, it'd be Lewis, but not much. I, I do love, though, that somebody who'd be like four or five weeks in going, well, this this is my ruling. Yeah. And you're just like, what are you, what are you talking about? Because here's what I, I watched a bunch of the Post stuff because it was just still on as I was doing other stuff around the house. None of those guys were definitive, okay? Like barely any of them, which is the weirdest thing ever because right. you imagine a TV show after, say, your favorite player ever has a bad finals game, and then both guys on the TV show are like, you know, I don't know. I'm not quite sure where to go with this. Yeah. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. Um, rowdy, it's, rowdy weekend for... Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I was oh, going to no, change I was it say, the, what, what makes it harder is... Switching to corner, men's tennis. <laughs> Cop's Corner is the one of the fastest corners in Formula One. Oh, and, I didn't know and that. Yeah, it's at Silverstone. I mean, it, it, this, is, this is one of the iconic tracks of the sport. 
And there's, you know, Lewis has had huge success there. There was a race there a couple of years ago where he actually went down to 20th, and I think got back up to second. I mean, it's a place where not only is he won, but he's had sort of driving master classes. And these guys are just going to be aggressive in that corner. And the first lap of an F1 race is absolute pandemonium. And by the way, the stewards are normally more lenient on the first lap because a bunch of cars are, are, are together because there's a little more desperation, I guess, to use Christian Horner's term. And so I'm not surprised that, that they ended up with the penalty they ended up with. I don't think it was intentional or anything like that. I'm, I'm definitely on Team Lewis here. All right. So wait, Kevin, you didn't prepare for this, but I'm going to throw it on you. Can you give me okay. your top three corners? Uh, wow. Okay. So I, I, I think the top, I think Monza has some amazing corners, um, in Italy. I love it. Eh. Um, I don't have, <laughs> well, wait, what makes a corner great though? Uh, okay. So there's, Dude, there's a couple you don't of even things. know there's, that there's slow corners and there's fast corners. Right. And I think you're going to want a fast corner, um, that sort of, you know, Schumacher's thing was he could just like drive in a way that almost took out the corner sometimes. He would just drive in a straight line and be like, I'm, I'm good here. Um, you want, a, it's almost like a golf course, right? You want to have the exact angle where even a really good driver is going to have to, to test it a little bit. And so uh, Monza to me playing the F1 game, uh, I can't even buy, when are we going to be able to buy PS5s like if I walk into a store? Does anybody know that, by the way? Years. When PS6 Years. is out. Okay. I don't have the F1 game this year, so I haven't played in a couple months. But Monza, to me, great corners. Silverstone is the best. And what they say about Silverstone, Palmer actually talked about this, is that if you're growing up as a British driver, you're at Silverstone all the time and nobody cares about you. And then one day you go to Silverstone and there's 150,000 people there. That's why it's such a huge event for someone like Lewis. You grow up on it. Like, like I grew up at the RDV Iceplex in Orlando. Okay, And then one day... Like a week later, like a, a week after I'm done there, the equivalent is like 30,000 people were there to watch me play in the NHL there. That's what I'm talking about. That's why Got Silverstone's it. so different for someone like Lewis. Got it. So wait. All right. So uh, I like that track in Belgium, that that second turn. Spa. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. I just wanted to make sure I got that. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I do love the incident part of this. I think that that is something we should use in American sports. I, yeah. I you know, if it like, you know, at the end of an NBA game, when you can't figure out whose, you know, finger touched it last, it should just be a basketball incident. And they should use that, and it sounds official, and we can just move on. Like a targeting that you can't figure out if it's tar targeting or yeah. not, that's a football incident. So so I'm down for this. Uh, racing incident, it just feels like no one actually knows, and you can say racing incident, and then it's just good. Yeah, just something that happens. I like that. Just if, if, if something seems like a complicated call, just say it's an incident, and then just go back to what you were doing. Right. I'd also like to take this time to – just congratulate Ricardo for the 10 points, finishing fifth. I thought his battle with Carlos Sainz was as impressive as anything we saw here. Uh, it feels very McLaren. Like, they've had some good weekends, guys. There's no denying it. But I just don't know. It just feels, still feels like there's a gap. And that's the only other part of my analysis. I'll ask this. Good weekend for Haas? <laughs> <laughs> what did they finish? Did they finish? 17th yeah, and 18th, they, but they that finished. was good because the, it was Vettel and Verstappen didn't finish. So they came yeah. in last of the people that finished, but 17, 18, no points, so not the points, just, obviously. Just but. finishing is, is for Mazepin I don't know. I don't Schumacher know what to do with Haas. Honestly, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, I don't know. I don't even like making fun of him, but I want to come up with the American equivalent of Haas where you can't be mad at him and you can't even really make fun of him. 
you feel bad for them. They have no chance, but then they're still in it. And it's not the equivalent of like, oh, hey, the Jets or something. It's it's more. Yeah. It feels it feels way sadder because you have to go out and race the other cars and you have no chance. I feel like they're like South Carolina football. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's insulting well, like, to South Carolina. Really? Vand- Vandy? Vandy, yeah. Vandy's Wake there. Forest. They're in the SEC, right? Yeah. Maybe. But then well, Vandy, like, does Haas have something where they can be like, hey, we're actually an academic school? I don't, does Haas have that? I well, look, they when didn't I watched the money. Ne- they didn't have Go any ahead. money until recently. I, when I watched the Netflix special, I felt bad for the owner. Yeah. Like, I was like, you're, he goes, you know, this kind of sucks every weekend coming out here, <laughs> getting your ass kicked. That was like, what, two, three years ago when that part came out on the show. And they've gotten worse. Yeah. yeah. From that. Worse. Yeah. Way worse. I have a question for you, Kevin. I, yeah. You know, I think it is a, a tired meme, but it's what I'm going to use here. Is Christian Horner the biggest Karen of all time? Wow. You know, he is the guy who kind of walks around the paddock and kind of does it. Is that is that legal? Like that kind of thing? Uh, hey, what are you guys up to kind of stuff? Is he the Karen of F1? Yeah, a little bit. But I would also say that when you're, you know, Red Bull is has been on the defensive since they stopped winning championships seven years ago. And I kind of think like politics is such a big part of it. I think Toto would be a Karen if the, if they flipped, and maybe this year they will end up flipping. I mean, listen, Toto sent an email today. I mean, who sends emails except Karen? You know? Yeah, that's true. Come and I, I do like that aspect of like your it's coaches working the ref where yeah it might be uh, you know excessive, but then you get to the fourth quarter and all of a sudden a call goes your way, and it's like, well, maybe that helped that he was just berating him for the first half. Yeah. Helmet Marco is also a Karen. He's another Red Bull executive. He's also the guy who, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, said we should just inject the drivers with COVID and just, just start start racing. So, he, you know, they've got some ideas over there at Red Bull. <laughs> I think Dabo tried that at Clemson. <laughs> Dabo, yeah. No, I would like I would like Dabo if he were an F1, like if he were the, the, the um, <laughs> what the hell's what the hell's the name? The team premier, principal? the principal, yeah, principal, team yeah. principal, right? Mm-hmm. Dabo would just be like, well, you know, he'd be like at the end of a seven-year Mercedes run and be like, people keep doubting us, but like, literally, no one doubts you. <laughs> you guys win every single weekend. He'd be like, you know, for my money, Lewis Hamilton's underrated. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Um, that would be fun to see Dabo in charge of an F one team, team principal. I think that's about it. I, you got anything else? Wow. Anything on Lance Stroll? No. No, uh, that's okay. Big Keep cat, it after, moving. After five weeks of of watching, who's your best hang, Big Cat? Who's the best hang? Well, yeah. we had Daniel Ricardo on. Pardon yeah. my take. Um, he was good. He was a good hang. Uh, I like. I mean, I, as I said, I'm a Ferrari fan. So are you I, though? I feel yeah, like you're already waffling yeah. on it a bit. No, no, no. I it really resonated with resonated with me when he did the whole line of like, if you ask a little kid to draw a car, it's always red. I just. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. The red car, it's cool. Although they changed, did they change the color of the Ferrari car for next year? Did I see that right? Only uh, Ferrari fans would so. know. I don't think I, so. Did they, they have I mean, they had, something? They, they, no, they unveiled a prototype for 2022. Let's start and researching. I, I don't think they have the the paint on it just yet. So you may okay. have seen like the 2022 generic car. I don't Got think they it. would change change the red. There's a lot of merch that's been moved with that Ferrari red. Yeah, I love the Ferrari red. So I I also am uh, like none of the sports teams that I root for in my life are uh, have like historical dominance. 
So I thought this was the first chance where I can be like, hey, I'm a Ferrari fan. Do like the Yankee fan 27 rings thing in people's yeah. faces where it's like, oh, yeah, we might stink now, but check check the rafters. It's all Ferrari banners. So I figured that rounded out everything else I root for. Hmm, that's a nice, that's, uh, that's a good reason. I like that. Right. Like, I, I know it's kind of a front runner move, even though they're down right now, but, you know, they'll be back. We're always back, right? I thought you were back Sunday. Yeah. They're changing their entire rules in 2022. And so there will be new teams that are good, new teams that are bad. So Ferrari's got just as, I heard, I heard through the grapevine, Ferrari thinks they've got something. Quote, Ooh. got something. For Wait, do you have, do you have like tidbits, F1 tidbits? I, I hear some, you just hear some things, you know, you're hanging around the paddock. Would you, you hung around a paddock? No, I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you. Oh, no, you I, know, I did go to a race last week though. Yeah, that was electric racing, dude. Come well, on. Well, I mean, some guy came up to me and said he liked going abroad. So, a lot of people say that. Hot, yeah. uh, hot all segment. Right, so, so wait, which team do you root for, Kevin? I've been waffling. So Ryan tried to get me on the McLaren bus, so to speak, and I'm thinking about like, have you ever met someone who drives a McLaren? No. Yeah, they're okay. awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't See, know here's what true. Kevin, Kevin gave us this tidbit about Lewis Hamilton when we did the driver summer house draft where I picked Verstappen because I just think he's a machine and him being mad is exactly why I like him. Like, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> That's that he's your mad. type. Yeah. You yeah, kind of right. have a Verstappen in you. That yeah, kind right. of anger. He, yeah. You could see it. He holds it in his chest like you do. Yeah. No, fair, fair <laughs> criticism, but <laughs> uh, not a criticism. that wasn't a criticism. That was uh, a fact. criticism. just a fact observation. Just, yep. Yeah. Yep. Just facts, 100. So what Kevin told us is that he has connections to the fashion industry. So My I think does. that would mean, well, his wife does, which means you by proxy also do yeah. because you're married to the person that's in the fashion world. And I think by like your experience with McLaren owners from that side of it is also what's what's in your head. It's mostly just living in West Hollywood and just seeing a McLaren park and then seeing the worst person in the world come out of it. Mm, interesting. Wow. The dudes who drive McLarens. Wait, when you yeah. so so your wife in the fashion world, like, no, do you ever put not on in a the shirt fashion. and she's like, nah, dude, no, well, no chance. She's a journalist. <laughs> the story that Ryan is trying to tell <laughs> is that my wife's friend had a dinner with Lewis at Fashion Week, like five years ago or something, and he never said what he did or who he was, and just asked her about her and they talked about travel and stuff. And at the end, somebody was like, you know, that's one of the most famous people in the world, and she was like. I did not know, but he was very nice. So your wife is, is Katie Lang. I got oh. it. Wait, <laughs> that's nice fashion, right? You let you didn't think I had that. Katie, Katie you didn't Lang think I had singer. that in me. You didn't think I had that in me. What? Okay, Katie Lang is a singer. Oh. No, she's not. Yeah. No, she is. Yeah, she is. What are you talking about? Who's? All right, we got to stop it. That's Wait, the end no, of going I'm, abroad. No, don't, don't, don't end this right now. Hold on, you can cut all this, but no, we got to keep this in. No, we're keeping it in, but yeah, we're, we're, it we're in. our twenty minute. I mean, yeah, going abroad. Philosophically, Shit, we're she's never a supposed singer? to singer. I thought she made. Yeah. Sh Did you mean like Kate Kate Moss? No, I meant no. Katie Lang. Tori Burch. Why? I thought Tori she Birch. had. I thought she had some fashion wear. Kate Spade. Eyeglasses. This is terrible. Uh, Warby Parker. <laughs> to put a button on this, uh, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about becoming a Haas fan because it's American. I respect Support it. Support the team. I Support respect team. it. Yeah, I don't envy you. Let's let's see if we can get some Haas gear sent to the show. I uh, you'd think. 
They'd be like, those guys actually want to wear our hats. Damn, Katie Lang really ju- doesn't yeah. make clothes, huh? No. No, that was a no. terrible call. Everybody knows yeah. Katie Lang. Fuck, I thought I nailed it too. Everyone's like, damn, wow. Look at look at your boy. I was gonna I yeah, that sucks. I here I was living 36 years of my life thinking Katie Lang was making clothes. Mm. I kind of wish you never realized that wasn't true. That would have been more entertaining. I still don't think it is, if we're being perfectly honest. I still think I'm right. She I'm could gonna, have a clothing I'm gonna, get to, line. I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. Uh last question for you, Kevin, is uh soccer. We're done with yeah. this now for a while. Are we done with it? Yeah, well, it's well, off season, I mean, right? Like, what do it, they do? They comes back in August. It comes back okay. in August. It'll be What's fine. The, and what then, are these preseason games they're playing? Should oh, I care? They're, they're playing some in Orlando. Arsenal's coming to Orlando. I saw. Um, no, you shouldn't care. You shouldn't care. Most of the big okay. guys are who are going to be. They played in the Copa, uh, Copa America, or or the Euros, so they're going to be resting until the regular season starts in August. So I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, F one, they race again in two weeks in Hungary, and they take most of the month of August off. Ryan, they're they're European, so they just. They just vibe for most of August. I love that's, that. That's what my plan was. Take most of August off, be in France. But who knows now? We're not sure yet. I was going to move there for about a month. I All own right, a team. So- I don't know if you knew that, Kevin. I'm going to see how long I can go on Rasilla's podcast. I own a team. What? Also, Rasilla, I brought an ad with me if you want me to read that real quick. Yeah, actually, <laughs> The rollback question. Put in code PFT at rollback. I always, whenever I go on someone else's pod, I bring my own ads. Roback.com, use code PFT, you get Q-Zip, use, use code PFT. It's the Roback.com question. Kevin, did you know I own a soccer team? Uh, I didn't know you owned a soccer team, no. What country is it in? Uh, Wales. Wales. Swansea. Wales. Oh, right, right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Every That's time exciting. I say I own it, I get a bunch of people on message boards that are saying, like, Liverpool got LeBron and we got this fat yeah. idiot, so uh, it's always fun. It's a good way to go out. You can check out their podcast uh, three days a week. It's Big Cat. And that was Going Abroad with Kevin. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Again, that's life advice, rr at gmail.com. Okay, we got a couple here. All right, Ryan, uh, 58150 Shrug. I imagine he's not saying 150 Max Shrug. I think he's saying I weigh 150 and I'm 58 Shrug. 28 years old. I'm reaching out after years of thinking about submitting a question on this topic, but now at a bit of a crossroads. Names are changed. Good. Thank you for doing that. I'm currently dating an amazing girl, Jesse. Smart, sweet, great looks, family, friends, lover. Um, we met about six months ago. Each have a dog. So our relationship began with a lot of intimate one-on-one hanging out at home. 
Not to mention it was still during the thick of the pandemic, so going out options were limited. Safe to say we got serious quickly and things have been great. The only thing is that for the prior two and a half years, I was with an on-off-again girl who's the exact opposite. Let's call her Kate. Well, smart and incredibly good looking. All right, by using incredibly, I'm guessing that you found Kate more attractive than your current girlfriend. All right. Um, while incredibly good looking, she was off of the meat and we never actually were official. Family and friends hated her and hate, hated how uh, down I was about her situation. She treated me like shit. Despite numerous efforts on my part to try and get serious with her, she constantly rejected me. She would date other guys and come crawling back to me just as I was finally getting over her and leave me hanging. Once again, she had my back. Uh, she told me she would never, that we would never date. All right. So this is the bad one again. She would tell me we would never date and then I should move on. So after taking the hint, I did. And not only did I move on and meet this great girl, as you mentioned, dog, six months, family. Uh, I also cut Kate out of my life cold turkey. And as soon as I moved on, you guessed it, Kate came crawling back saying how much she's fucked up over the years. And now she's in love with me and wants to be together. I told her it was too late and it's unfair what she's doing and that me and Jesse are happy together. I cut Kate out of my life cold turkey for my benefit and to be fair to Jesse. Now, while things are going really well with Jesse, I still have feelings creeping up for Kate and think about her all the time. Our relationship was incredibly physically driven. All right, so there you go. You liked um, hooking up with her, and she's hotter than the girl you're dating now. Uh, and that most of the part is what that's mostly what creeps into my head and is making me doubt my decision, plus gives me doubts about how I feel physically with Jesse. Sorry for the full backstory, but hoping for some life advice. How do I get Kate out of my head? Will eventually just go away? It's been over four or five months since we've spoken last. Did I make the right call on this one? Uh, yeah. First of all, you made the right call. I think um, most people have probably been there and experienced. There's somebody from your past and there's this physical attraction, but every other part of it absolutely sucks. I mean, did you like when she made you feel like shit? Did you like when you found out about her being with other guys? Did you like when she would ignore you because she had all the power in the relationship? She had the upper hand and you had no say how anything happened. So you just went along with it all. I mean, do you miss that part? I'm sure you missed some of it. The physical part, as you mentioned, and clearly you have a hang up about how the new girlfriend looks in comparison to the old girlfriend, but you have to do a better job of continuing to remind yourself about all the times you felt really shitty. Now, I think there's also um, a root of this that I don't know anything about other than the emailer here, but sometimes we can be attracted to the chaos of it. Uh, and that simple and people getting along in a very low maintenance relationship can be a bad thing for you, depending on how you grew up. If you grew up with chaos and fighting and turmoil in the house, then you can sometimes accept that as real. And then that can leak into your own relationships. That may have been what happened with the girl that treated you like shit. That could be something that happened with you. Um, it also could be just as simple as you liked having sex with the ex more than anybody that you've ever been with. And so it's always going to creep in your head a little bit. That's pretty normal. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. But you having any dialogue with her only is temptation for you to make that same mistake again. Because here's what could happen. Um, you can keep thinking about her. You maybe get in touch with her again. She's going to say all the right things because now that she's seen you, that you've moved on and we all want what we can't have. And some women and men are both incredibly motivated once they think they don't have control of you again, which is another fucked up attribute that a lot of us have. You know, it's like, ah, I'm indifferent when I thought you were a, a lap dog. And now that you've stood up from your, yourself and you're challenging me and maybe I don't have the upper hand. So now I want to I want to see if I can get it back. I don't even love you as much as I just want to wreck whatever's going on to see if I have that kind of power. And like when you start acting that way, you know, past, I don't you know, whatever the age is the age, but as you get a little bit older, all of this stuff's an incredible waste of time. So you absolutely made the right call and your temptation of the other person, like, yeah, I don't know if this, those thoughts are ever going to go away, but they're only going to be worse if you decide to have any kind of dialogue with her whatsoever. And you also have to ask yourself, like, really, what is important? 
Yes, the physical part is clearly important. And sometimes it's the number one thing for, for men and women. I mean, sometimes that's the most important thing. But think about all the other time that isn't about that, that you're going to be spending with a significant other. And you got to get along. And so those small rewards along the way are not going to be worth all the time where you're just absolutely stressed out. I mean, here, you want, to, you want me to really hammer this home to you? The, the girl, Kate, the, the hot one, think of all the guys you don't know about, man. Think about that. Not to bum you out, but it's true. She's capable of anything with the way you described her. She's probably lied to you. There's probably a couple of friends in there. So you want that kind of doubt creeping around in your head if you decided to get back together, if she tells you she only told you everything you always wanted to hear until she realized that she couldn't have you. So there you go. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, from the email, it sounds like Kate is hot and mean and um, Jesse is cool and pretty. So I think there's a difference there in his uh, how he's looking at them. But yeah, I mean, you like just remember how you were miserable and like he said his family doesn't like her at all and as somebody who used to just bring any girl that i've been talking to for a week or two over to my dad's house because it was easier than kyle going so somewhere. Oh, you would you'd you'd have hung out with a girl a week and you would bring her home zero shame dude zero shame <laughs> and i was just it's just easier for me it's like oh they'll leave me alone we got a little backyard you know we'll go down watch the movie downstairs i have a room in the basement like it's all like, it was just nice. easy. It was path of leaf resistance and I didn't have to spend money on, um, you know, being able to sit somewhere for a while and have to, you know, tip somebody and pay a, a bill for food. So, I mean, but, but my point is, is as somebody who always would bring uh, whoever I'm talking to around my family, they would just let me know, be like, oh yeah, didn't like that one. She came in, she smelled like cigarettes or, you know, or this happened or she just opened yeah, the fridge. Yeah, but you smelled like what? cigarettes. I know, but like I was putting that on other people for as long as I could. But I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it, the feeling of your friends and family not liking who you're with, which sounds like nobody's going to, you know, be happy if you and Kate end up together again. It's just not good. You It'll, it'll be embarrassing to you. And also, you don't want to reach the point where they stop inviting you to stuff. I've never been there, but I've seen it happen. Yeah, that's a good point. I dated a girl a long time ago who friends and family did not approve of. And it just it was a constant hassle. It, it just wasn't worth it. And especially because this Kate chick is not nice to you. You know, it's not even like she brings you anything other than just being good looking and maybe she's good at sex. Congrats. But I, I don't know. To, to his question about like, will it ever stop? How do you ever get over that? Um, you know, I think it's totally normal to think about past relationships and that's fine. But it doesn't mean that they were good and you should want to get back into that relationship all over again. And I think it's a really shitty move that Kate, all of a sudden that you're now happy with this cute you know, girl who's kind of cool that all of a sudden she's trying to break that shit up because she's selfish. That should tell you everything you need to know. So um, I'm not saying this other Jesse girl is the one or anything, but, you know, I, I think, you know, Kate should be you should you should never entertain the Kate situation again, period. Yep. You're going to have a couple of drinks, though, and you're going to look at her on Instagram yeah. and then she's going to okay. see a DM and then you're going to DM her back and then you're going to start thinking about it. And then guess what? You may go down that road. And then if you do that to the girl that you actually like, like if you want to marry somebody and have a family and then every this Jesse checks all the boxes except for not being Kate. Um, I don't know that like this shit is not easy. None of it's easy, but everybody knows the right decision they're going to make. They just usually half the time will make the wrong one willingly. All right. Um, speaking of dudes and and women here. Let's uh, let's get to this guy. Hey, Ryan, Kyle, Saruti, uh, 6'1", 200, a little late on the summer trim down, but that's besides the point. Our guy's 23 years old. Okay, I recently have an old friend's birthday party and got absolutely blacked out. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm usually the three beer guy. 
So he has three beers and then call it a night. But with this particular group, I've tended to overdo things to get way too drunk or regret my existence for a day or two before I move on. But you know what? That's science. Although, man, two-day hangovers at 23, that's kind of long. It usually kicks in about 27, 28. But that's the science, and then it's Wednesday, and everybody feels good again. All right, so um, he said, during this blackout, I woke to the horror of of the... He keeps calling himself the drunk goblin. Uh, that He was texting five different women. That is, that is absolutely D'Angelo Russell shot attempts there from our guy in a deep one. Nothing too fancy, just shoot my shot at marriage and other sorts of cringeworthy stuff. So he's asking women to marry him about 2 a.m., multiple women. Uh, my th- Yeah, girls usually love that. They're like, yes, definitely, I do want to marry you now. My thing is I need some help with is I texted my best friend. Uh, so I guess this, this woman is his best friend. He texted her that he was driving through a drive through and asked her what he should order at like one in the morning. And she was absolutely pissed at me and I blew it off because not only did I not drive home, I actually left my keys and wallet at the house party. So he was so drunk that he was trying to find a way to like have an inn and be like, hey, what should I eat? Meanwhile, he's just home. So like you just had a, a solo party at your house and went weird and started texting a million women. All right, fine. Got it. Um, I explained this and after a day, she got over it. So he said, okay, I actually wasn't in the car. I was just wasted making weird scenarios up but there's definitely some tension now in the friendship we've been friends since sophomore year of high school so definitely not some friendship i'd be okay with losing over with something stupid how do i go over uh smoothing things over appreciate it love the pod and he did send a screenshot of some of the back and forth text so here they are and i'm going to try to leave out names here by the way her her picture on her texts like she's if this is real she's very attractive all right so our guy um this is this is 10 days ago. He texts, I'm drunk, but you are so beautiful. Don't tell sober redacted, because I guess that's another friend in the group. I said this. He's embarrassed, but I'm looking for a girlfriend if you need a man. Okay, so she replied, OMG, and crying smiley faces, like crying laughing, I guess. So feel free to translate any of this. Um, Checks out. Who was, yeah, who was redacted? Don't listen because he's derogatory. Uh, statement here. We're gonna we're gonna give our guy a pass on that. We're not gonna read it out loud. Um, and then he says, "I'm redacted, and if you want, I make you dife." D I F E. I was afraid maybe he was really hostile here. And then she came back with dife question mark, and then a crying smiley face. And then he corrected it and said wife. And then he said, "Tomorrow, this is apologizing, but tonight, this time is proposed. Say yes." So little sentence structure issues here. We're gonna blame that on the booze. But I do kind of like his philosophy that he was deep into it. He was saying, like, tomorrow's for apologizing, but tonight we get married. Yeah, this is pretty heavy. But you said something. You've been friends since sophomore in high school. You're 23 now, so that's 15 then. This is eight, nine years you've been friends. If you don't do this every weekend with her, then I would imagine she's going to give you a pass on this. I know you're probably going through the whatever. Look, I mean, every now and then a guy has to go on an apology tour. It sounds like you might have to go on it. You might drink way too much with this group because you have this anxiety about having feelings for this one friend. Um, There's two paths here. One is that you actually like her deep down, and that's why you get so weird around her. I wouldn't say any of this stuff works, but if she's cool and she's known you this long, again, I think you're going to get a pass on this one. If she's like un relenting and, and doesn't accept the apology and thinks that this is crossing the line. I don't know. That's that's pretty stringent. You might not be a great friend to have in the first place. But if you actually do like her this way, then now she knows. Now she knows. So maybe it's not a total, something that can be a horrifying start can actually have an incredible payoff. But I don't know your chances. 
you know, I don't know what your deal is. I don't know if you've ever told, you know, maybe you've never been with her because you never had any kind of chance. I'm not judging. It's just the email. I'm not, my guess would be she might be a little bit out of your league with the way you've kind of thrown this whole story together a little bit. So maybe it was never going to happen anyway, but maybe now she knows and and you're good. Uh, what I wouldn't do is keep beating yourself up. People have done far worse than, hey, do you want to be my wife to a girl that you've been friends with for a really, really long time? So um, again, you're 23, man. It's it's not the end of the world. Uh, not to like belittle this, but something else worse will happen in the next seven years than this. If this is the worst thing that happens to you in your 20s, then you are crushing it. So don't worry. That wasn't probably the best advice. Be like, hey, dude, you're going to be way more bummed out about something unpredictable <laughs> than this. But this is this is not something. To, I mean, these texts aren't even that bad, to be honest with you. I mean, they're a little embarrassing, but not not uh, not friendship ending. And who knows? Maybe you guys become closer and you guys will have an amazing origin story three years from now at the rehearsal dinner on Friday. Kyle? Yeah, I think uh, I, what I wonder is, was she mad that she thought he was drunk driving in a drive-thru and he only said, no, I wasn't, and then didn't say, sorry, I got a little weird with you there. Like, <laughs> like did, did he did he only say like, no, dude, I definitely wasn't drunk driving and then left the marriage proposal on the table? Um, if so, maybe you might want to bring that up because he said he was sensing some tension. So if that's the case, then maybe you want to just bring it up and be like, and by the way, like, sorry, I... But I mean, it's just let you know or whatever. But like you said, if you had no shot, you definitely didn't hurt your chances. Uh, if you did have a shot, you probably <laughs> did help your chances a little bit. And she's a pretty girl, as you know, Ryan said from looking at the photo. So she gets propositions every day, not for marriages, but you know, she's just swatting propositions down all the time. So it's probably like a drop in the bucket. It was a little weird that uh, you know you've known her for so long and didn't say anything, but she probably knew at least a little bit that you thought she was cute. So I think it's fine, and you're young enough where this is totally doesn't matter the text isn't a big deal at all the thing that i'm concerned about a little bit is it seems like our guy you know he gets he gets drunk and he's talking about wanting to wife someone up like overnight and that i, I think he's only 23 right so, so sometimes i think guys at that age like they get so caught up in trying to find the one and like settling down really quickly dude you're still super young so even if like you know shoot your shot on her if it didn't work out that's fine if you actually do like her that's one thing if not continue being friends with her but i also wouldn't it, don't stress out about like it seems like he's trying to find a wife so quickly and i would say that that's not usually a good recipe for success um and if you actually do like this girl i don't know like you said you never know in a couple weeks maybe things happen you said there's, there's some tension there it could be some sexual tension it should be some good tension some bad tension we don't know but this could end up being a good thing for you so i wouldn't worry about the text itself but don't try to like, it seems like you're trying to speed up your uh your like settling down situation i think you just take it take it by ear man you're only 23 yeah, I imagine him talking to other people and be like, hey, you're still single? I'd be like, yeah, I've been trying. Well, what have you been doing? Oh, I black out and ask like five chicks to marry me. Yeah, it's like, hey, that's not not the way you want to go about this, dude. Sorry, man. Yeah. Take a oh, little more so time than that. Wait, so what? How? Wait, how do you do it again? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You said you don't really drink that often. And maybe that's, you know, I don't think we're going to start saying, hey, maybe drink more, more often so that you don't get so weird when you're with this group. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that, but I don't know, Kyle, do you have any time where you've, you've shot, you shot and it actually like, I think anybody that's been around long enough, you're like, this isn't going to work. And then you're like, oh my God, that ended up working because you yeah, actually had exactly. the balls to, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of, if it never worked, no one would ever do it. It's like the far dick pic thing where people are like, I can't believe he did this. I'm like, well, I bet it's worked. So that's probably why I did it. It allegedly. Right. I mean, you know, two o'clock in the morning, it's like I could go to sleep or 
I have like four people that I think might be up that are in my time zone. And I think <laughs> at least one of them would answer. So it's like, you know, I actually did that once on Instagram and I put them all in the same thing. I try to fire wow. off separate ones and it's like they're all in a group chat and they're just like, never talk to me again. I mean, that was when I first. Did they know each other? Yeah, yeah, because I was like, it was like a home from college deal during the summer or winter or something. And it's just like, you know, I should definitely go to sleep. But, um, you know, these four, and it's like they're all in the same group chat now on, on an Instagram DM. And I just, you know. What did you say in the, in the, oh, dude, group it was DM. like, a, like, hey, you know, probably an emoji in there or something. I don't know. But it was, you know, that was one of the cringier things. What, I think I've what ever did you done. think when you, when you woke up and saw that the next day? It was like, well, that's five bridges burned. Maybe I could salvage one of these and just say like, uh, you know, it, I don't think it ever worked out. It definitely didn't work out like in the broad sense of it. But, you know, just embarrassing. And you don't you're not thinking straight at, at two in the morning. But it's like it's yeah. either you go to sleep or you spend another 40 minutes trying to work some magic. And maybe it happened once for you. So you never stop. And if you're by yourself during the pandemic, he's just he's just coming out of a lonely stretch of a, of a year plus. So, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, some people had a hard time with this. So I don't, you know, that's, that's probably part of it. That's probably part of it too. All right. That's life advice, saving lives over here. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Uh, this week we get Dan Patrick joining the podcast. We already have that one taped. It's an hour with Dan. It's incredible. Look forward to that one. So make sure you subscribe, uh, rate and review, and you will get all of the episodes automatically. Thank you. Thank you.